Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. I'd like to read that again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Paul the Apostle was writing to the church in Rome. Hence, this verse is found in the book of Romans. Rome was the center of power. Rome was, and historically, one of the greatest empires that's ever been. They ruled the known world of that day. And Paul is writing to the church in Rome, the place where the Caesar sat, who is treated like God. All right, where he is effectively worshipped. He is the most important person in the world. This central place of power. And Paul writes to this church to in this place, the place of Rome. And he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I want to share this morning how I believe that the gospel is the central message. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. <clears throat> a week before we went to Peru, um, we took a whole group of people and many people joined for lunch and we were at the carnival, this carnival. It was great to see about 15 people from the church all wearing T-shirts that day that said these words, hope is found in Jesus, and on the back of their T-shirts, can I pray for you? It was great to see a group of people from the church wander around the park that day offering prayer to people and giving people the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus. The week before that, I received a message on my Facebook Messenger from a young man who used to be part of this church and he messaged me on Facebook and his words were literally this, Graham, I need help, I need Jesus again. And he turned up at the carnival that day, sat about 60, 70 yards from our little Hope Church gazebo and I had the privilege with Bex O'Connell to go up to him and just sit with him and pray with him and I've been in touch with him ever since. We're regularly every week just keeping in touch with each other because Jesus is the answer. Then we went to Peru, we connected with Andy and Helen while we was out there and a couple of times we put on the Peruvian 24-7 t-shirts in Spanish on the front, in English on the back, the same phrase on the back, can I pray for you? And we had the honour, Michelle and I, of going around the streets of Cusco offering prayer to people and the opportunity of sharing the gospel of Jesus with people because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And then over the last two weeks, I've been going out onto the streets with that same t-shirt on. One or two people have joined me and it's something that we'd like to develop as a church 
and I met a guy on the streets a couple of Thursdays ago, just offered to pray for him, and we shared the love of Jesus with him, and that Sunday, he turned up here to church, and he's here again today. It's great, isn't it? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Last week in I, we had the best connection we've had since we've been prayer walking in I. We ended up, as we do sometimes, at the Queen's Head pub after we've prayer walked around I. And for the first time, the owner of the Queen's Head in I pub just completely opened up to us and shared how he's had a mother that's prayed for him all of his life. Because the gospel is the power of God unto, unto salvation. In the last two weeks, we have seen one person come to church who left a message on our answer machine um, saying that they would like to start coming to church. And that person is here today as well. Two days later, I received another phone call into the office from a gentleman who lives in Dis, who this church has had no previous contact with. And he said, I woke up this morning and thought, I must ring your church because I'd like to start coming to your church. Now, he hasn't come yet, but the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. On Friday morning, we had almost 70 people here at Community Cafe. Most of those people don't know Jesus, but some of those people are here today. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Last week, I received a message from Ian Savory, who leads a church in North Norfolk called Lighthouse. And this is what his message said. God's doing a lot here in our church. Every day this week in the gym, people have asked me about Jesus and church. Getting ready for next baptism services and in the middle of some really good stuff. Yesterday in our cafe, I shared the good news with a Jewish couple and then two youth leaders from the town just turned up asking for some help. Because the gospel is the power of God unto, unto salvation. Then I got a message two days later from a young guy called James who's leading a small missional community on, a Rush, on Rushmere Estate in Ipswich. And he said this to me. He's also linking into Pioneer. He said, Graham, would you pray for our church community as we have a meal tomorrow night in the Indian restaurant in our local, in, on our local estate? We have 20 new people coming. All ages represented. Pray for Jesus' love and grace to be evident in our conversations and actions. We have found such favour with the owner of the restaurant, so much so we think we can start taking church services there in his restaurant. Why is that? Why is that? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Another slide coming up. I read a book a number of years ago. Really, really good book. It's a good book by a guy called Alan Hirsch. It's called The Forgotten Ways. And he writes these words in this book. If we're going to impact our world in the name of Jesus, it will be, it will be because people like you and me took action in the power of the Spirit. Ever since the mission and ministry of Jesus, God has never stopped calling for a movement of little Jesuses to follow him into the world and unleash the remarkable, redemptive genius that lies in the very message that we carry. The message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Currently, in the natural, right now, we are in a season of harvest. Everywhere around us, farmers are engaging in the harvest. We're in a typical British harvest this year. Last year, harvest was very quick and it finished early because we had such a hot summer. This year, we're having a very typical English harvest. We're dodging the showers. But currently, we are in a season of harvest. In John chapter 4, verse 34 and 35, coming up now, it says these words. Jesus says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months till harvest. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand the urgency and opportunity of his mission. John chapter 4 is an interesting chapter because Jesus shares these words with his disciples right pretty much at the end of the chapter. But if you go to the beginning of the chapter, it is in the context, these words are in the context of the story of John chapter 4. The context, of, the context sorry, of John chapter 4 is that Jesus finds himself, he turns up in a Samaritan village and he begins to talk to a Samaritan woman, a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman at a well. Everything about that moment is wrong. Number one, a Jewish man talking, a Jew, a Jew talking to a Samaritan just didn't happen because historically Jews and Samaritans didn't get on. And secondly, a man talking to a woman at a public well where often uh, it would be true to say that um, women who practice prostitution would gather to meet men at a well. It was so wrong on every level for Jesus to be engaging in a conversation with a, with a Samaritan woman. But what is really interesting is that in John chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. He left Judah and he headed back north to Galilee. All right, So Judah is in the south, Galilee is in the north, and you have to go. It says he had to go through the country of Samaria. The irony of that verse is this, that Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, most Jews who travelled from the south to the north didn't go through Samaria. They, they took a right and bypassed the region of Samaria. In fact, if you read Luke chapter 19, when Jesus is travelling back from Galilee down to the south, it says that he actually went round and came down to the south. Jesus didn't at that time travel through Samaria. So when it says in John 4 verse 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria, actually he didn't have to go. But maybe on that occasion, he had to go through Samaria because there was something in his spirit that prompted him to land in this little Samaritan village. Maybe on this occasion, there was something where he felt compelled to go to this place. Maybe it was a moment in the ministry of Jesus, quoting the words of Alan Hirsch, to unleash the genius of the message, to unleash the genius of the gospel to a new unoccupied place. The disciples had gone off to get some food and as Jesus is talking to this woman, 
the disciples come back with food from the town and the woman leaves her jars of water at the well and she goes back into her village to tell everybody about this amazing encounter that she's had with Jesus. And the disciples say to Jesus, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because they noticed that he'd been engaging in conversation with a woman. It was almost like the disciples were saying to Jesus, Jesus, you shouldn't really be doing this. This is too risky. But Jesus was so intent on engaging this woman with the message that was going to change her life. You know, I sometimes think that as Christians, we don't like to take risks with the gospel. We do everything else except share the gospel. And there's nothing wrong with doing all the things that we do. It's exciting to be able to open up a cafe on a Friday morning and share the kindness and the love of God with people. It's great to be a good neighbor. It's great to be, you know, a godly person within our community. And so we must continue to do those things. But at some point, we have to share the gospel. Because Christians do not have the monopoly on kindness. I have some very kind neighbors who share their goodness and their kindness with the people that live around them, but they don't share the gospel. And I have been so challenged that we need to be people that are not ashamed of the gospel, people who are willing to share the good news of the message of the gospel. Sharing the gospel is a bit risky. You know, I've walked down the town a few times in the last couple of weeks, and on the back of my t-shirt it says, can I pray for you? And I I was walking, sometimes I forget that I've got the t-shirt on, so I I had it on all day on Friday, and then then I went into Mr. Chip's on, after I finished work to get some chips for, for dinner um, and I walked into what, what, is, it, is it still called Mr. Chips? yeah, yeah. anyway in the town centre you know where I mean the, the, the fish and chip shop in the town centre I walk in and I'm standing in the queue and this guy behind me says no thank you and I'm thinking so, so I, I thought what do you mean he just said no thank you I, said, I wonder who he's talking to I said, are, I said are you talking to me he said I've just read the question on your back can I pray for you And he said, no, thank you. And of course, when I turned around, it had hope is found in Jesus on the front. But it just led to a five-minute conversation with this guy about, why did you say no, thank you? Because I don't believe in prayer, mate. So I just shared with him that I do believe in prayer and how prayer has changed my life. Now, I don't know what what, what will happen out of that conversation, but I just pray that just that little moment, a little conversation I have with him will just plant a seed in his heart and plant a seed in his mind that he might just go away and think about maybe, does, maybe there is something in prayer. We've got to be prepared to take a risk with the gospel. And I, would, I want to encourage you today, learn the gospel. Learn the gospel. If you're a Christian here today, learn the gospel. Because when you might just get an opportunity this week, when you're with somebody who's not a believer in Jesus... We need to be able, in a moment of time, to share the gospel with, with Je- the, share the gospel of Jesus with somebody. I have a friend um, who lives in Essex, and I, I, he, when we used to live in Essex, I got to know him really well. His name was Steve Quick. 
He was a paramedic. And um, I remember he shared on one occasion that he picked this guy up from a road traffic accident and they got him into the back of an ambulance and Steve Quick realised that this guy was going to die. And he only had a moment to share the gospel. And he said, I remember, Graham, knowing, being so glad that the gospel was so alive in me, I was able to share it with him straight away. Now, I don't know whether that person who was going to die found Jesus, but we need to be ready with the message of the gospel. Do you know the gospel? If you've been a Christian for a good while, you really should know the gospel. You should be able to share the gospel in a moment's notice. It's so important because the power of the gospel leads to salvation. It is the power of God that leads to salvation. My dad used to say to me quite often leading up to June, July and August, he used to have this little phrase that he used to say to me. I can actually remember him saying it to me standing in the farmyard. He used to say to me, Graham, it's all about the harvest. It's all about the harvest. And I now realise what he meant by that. Because no farmer in their right mind would ever consider planting a crop without harvesting, would they? I must just daft, isn't it? I've got a vegetable garden. How ridiculous that I put my new potatoes in the ground in April and think, ah, I'll never bother going digging up the fruit. What's the point? Or watering my runner beans and just letting them all grow into lovely beans and never bother picking them. That's just daft, isn't it? And no farmer would ever consider planting a crop and not harvesting the fruit. And I think sometimes when it comes metaphorically to us sowing the seed with people, we sow seed, we show kindness, we show love, we show goodness to people, we're there, we're a good face of Christianity in front of our neighbours, in front of the people that we come to, but we never think about harvesting. We never think about actually sharing the gospel. And my dad used to say to me, Graham, it's all about the harvest. And you know what? Every farmer had to be, it's coming up now, prepared. Harvest ready is all about preparation. When I look back at harvest time as a teenager and as a child, I, I realise how much time was given to harvest preparation. Grain stores were emptied, barns were swept clean, machinery was serviced and oiled. Agricultural engineers would be on farms everywhere. Combines, balers, straw carriers, trailers, grain augers were all made ready for this six to eight week window of harvest. Every farmer got ready for harvest. We need to be ready for harvest. And I think one of the ways that we can be ready for a spiritual harvest of people coming into the kingdom of God is to have a high expectation that when we're out and about in our lives, we expect to lead people to Jesus. You will work with people who need Jesus right now. We will bump we will bump into people and rub shoulders with people every single month who have got issues in their life, who have got things going on in their life where they are desperate for the reality and the truth of the gospel. And as church, we have to learn to be ready for the harvest. I want to really encourage us, learn the gospel. Create space in your life 
to engage with non-believers. Declutter some of the stuff that maybe is going on in your life that gives you space to seriously engage with people who don't know Jesus. Make space in your diary for harvest opportunities. Let's make sure that our lives are not so full that we never have time to engage with our neighbours. We never have time to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. Jesus said in Luke 10 verse 2, the harvest is plentiful but the labourers are few. I believe that we're living in a season right now where people are so disillusioned with what they see around them that they're searching for the reality of what life is all about. And every single day I walk this earth, I carry the life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ within me. And I am stirred and challenged and provoked by God every single day. God, let me share the gospel with somebody today. When I go out on the streets and I prayer walk, sometimes I do that on my own, sometimes I do that outside of church hours. Sometimes I do that on a Saturday. I've got this little app. Andy Taylor showed me this brilliant little app. It was written by 24-7 Prayer USA. It's called Holy Ground. It's a free app. If you've got a smartphone, don't matter what kind of smartphone you've got, download the app called Holy Ground. It's a prayer walking app. It's absolutely brilliant. I've got it on my phone. I could show you afterwards if you want to know. And I've got loads of little little places that I've just walked around this or I've walked around I. I've even got a couple when I walk around Cusco in Peru. And, and it just tracks where you prayer walked. It's, it's a brilliant app. I, I put my prayer walk app on at least every other day and I sometimes prayer walk my estate where I live or I'm, I'm prayer walking where I'm walking. And it's got a brilliant little section called notes. So I can write down on that prayer app where I've prayed, who I've spoken to, so the other week, I spoke, spoke to a guy outside um, Vauxhall Garage in Dis, and I wrote, I wrote his name on my little app, and I, I just rem- it reminds me, I pray for him. Pray it, Jesus meets him. Because that's where I met him, and that's where I prayed with him, and that's where I shared Jesus with him. So I'd really encourage you, be prepared for the harvest. Get harvest ready. Learn the gospel Be active in your prayer life when it comes to praying for people who don't know Jesus. Jesus says in Luke 10 verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. We need to be ready for harvest. Secondly, and please forgive me for the simplicity of this next point, to harvest, you have to be in a field. To harvest, you have to be in a field. All over our community, there are fields. We live in the midst of hundreds of harvest fields. You have a field where you work. You have a field in your street. You have a field in your youth group. You have a field in your exercise group. You have a field in your walking group. Whatever you do in your life, you have a field. If you belong to a club or you're involved in some social activity in your community, you have a field. It's a God-given field for you. 
When you get up tomorrow morning and you drive to work and you engage with your colleagues or when you drop your children off to a club or when you go swimming tomorrow, God has given you a harvest field. And to harvest, you have to be in a field. There are fields everywhere for us. And I want to really encourage us to engage in the field that God has given you. I'm in a field every morning, particularly this time of the year, but I do it quite a bit in the winter. When I walk from my house to the office here in the church, there's hardly a a week goes by where one of my neighbours doesn't stop me and engages me in conversation. And the reason that that happens is because I've tried my best and worked my hardest to really get to know my neighbours really well. So what happens now? When I walk down the road, Barbara comes out and she talks to me about how her husband Ray is getting on because Ray had a stroke three years ago. Then I get further down the road and Joyce and Alan, who I've got to know, often come out and stop me because Michelle and I went out for a drink with them last year, last summer, and we talked to them about Jesus. And I've been into their house because she asked me if I would go round her house and talk to her a little bit more about my faith. So often when I walk down Walcott Rise in the morning, some of my neighbours will come out and they'll stop me. Or if they're out walking their dog, they'll say, hi, Graham, how are you doing? And we'll stop and have a conversation. And it's been absolutely brilliant. And I, I don't actually think I'm an evangelist. But it's just been absolutely brilliant to pray with my neighbours and to share the gospel with my neighbours. And every time I walk down my road, I say, God, would you save these people in my street? Because that's my harvest field. It's the field that God has put me in. God has put all of us in a field. Let's make sure that we make use of reaping harvest in the field that God has put us in. And thirdly, so we need to be harvest ready. To harvest, to harvest, we need to be in a field. So we need to be prepared. We need to be in position. And secondly, the third point is this, a harvest aroma. If you've lived in the countryside for a number of years... If you go out of your house at the end of the day and they've been cutting the straw and cutting the fields, what do you smell? You smell the harvest, don't you? It's a lovely smell, isn't it? Or you get up first thing in the morning and you go for a walk and you can smell the harvest. There's something amazing about the aroma of harvest. It creates a bit of a sensation, particularly if, if we've had a bit of rain. And I've, I can remember as a kid walking through the fields smell the harvest, the aroma of harvest. A freshly harvested field, the straw laying on the ground has a distinct aroma. The dust from the corn in the air as the sun sets or the early sun rises is an unmistakable smell in the countryside. There is this harvest aroma, this sensation that the aroma gives off. N.T. Wright says this about John chapter 4. He says this. He says, The thought of a brand new field opening up for the harvest of the gospel was exciting then. And when the same thing happens today, it remains exhilarating. There's something unique about the aroma of harvest. When I was a child, my dad for about five years 
had about a quarter of an acre of strawberries. And when I used to get home from school, he used to send me and my sister, send me and my sister, like slave labor, get out there. Okay, my, Josephine and I would, would willingly um, go and we'd go and pick strawberries and we would have this little room on the farm and we would bring punnet after punnet after punnet of strawberries and we would sell them at the farm. And every time you walked into this little room, you could smell strawberries. And do you know what? Even after we'd sold all the stro- strawberries, for weeks after, every time you walked into this room, all you could smell was strawberries. Why is that? Because harvesting fruit and harvest creates an aroma. Wouldn't it be good if we started to create a harvest culture in our church that starts to create a different sensation and a different smell in the church? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing that if, 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 if instead of our baptistry pool being used as a, a parent and toddler storage cupboard most of the year, it was open every other week for new people getting baptised because we learn as a church to create a harvest smell in this church. We start to create a harvest aroma in this place because there is a church absolutely passionate about sharing the gospel because there's a church that is harvest ready. We're prepared. We know the gospel. We're ready to share the gospel. We're so stirred and so excited because God has planted us in a harvest field and we start to create an aroma and a sensation in this place. There is something about the smell of harvest in the church that starts to create a fresh excitement. It really does. And I believe with all my heart we're in a season of harvest. I have talked to people, like I said in the last couple of weeks, people have left messages on our answer machine. Why? Because just maybe something in their heart says, I want to search out the church. I want to search out the message of the church. I want to search out what it means to know Jesus for myself. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're okay with what I've shared, but you don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Maybe you've come to church for weeks, but you don't know in your heart for sure if you know Jesus. Today, you can know Jesus. You can know the power of the gospel that will change your life. You can enter into the kingdom of God and start a friendship and a journey and a walk with Jesus because Jesus changes lives. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I want to stir us, church, today. I want to challenge us, church, today. Let's be carriers of this message. Let's be those that unleash the genius of this message, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that when you go out into your week this week and you rub shoulders and you meet with non-believers, be bold in your faith. Offer to pray for people. You know, learn, learn some prayers. You know, I often find, you know, we get a little bit lazy with this whole thing. You know, when, when you were a student, or if you are a student, you revise for your exams, don't you? You learn, you learn your subject. So when you sit in that exam room, when you sit with that opportunity to write down the answers, you've worked hard, you've revised, you've learnt your trade. You know, I was an apprentice electrician and before I became a qualified electrician, I had to learn the trade. I had to learn to wire a plug. I had to learn to put a socket in. I had to learn to put a lighting circuit in. I revised, I studied, I learned. Can I encourage us as church, learn the gospel. Learn the message of the gospel. So when you get an opportunity, you can share the gospel just like that. Even practice a few prayers. 
You know, if, if you think, oh, what would I pray if, if somebody asked me to pray for them? We'll, we'll, we'll learn a few prayers, practice them. Write, write a few down. And learn to become confident with your faith in front of people who don't know Jesus. You will be utterly surprised, I guarantee, how many people will respond to prayer. I have been shocked how many of my neighbours have responded positively to prayer and how one or two of them actually now ask me to pray for them. Or if they're in a bit of a muddle, they say, Graham, will you pray for me? It's brilliant. So let's be harvest prepared. Let's position ourselves and let's create a harvest sensation, a harvest aroma. Three verses, and I'm going to finish with this, that I've always loved. They've, been, they've journeyed with me for a lot of my Christian life. Isaiah 54, verse 1 to 3, have been three verses. It's not going to come up on the screen. I just want to read them to you. It kind of has become special to me because Michelle and I weren't able to have our own children naturally. And Isaiah 54 says these words, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. And then it says this, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Enlarge the place of your tent. I want to see, not for the sake of Sunday services, but I want to see this church bursting at the seams in every area of our church life. Because we've created a harvest culture in our church. A whole church community that desperately wants to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus with those around us. And that's my prayer. And as a leader, I want to example that as much as I can. I want you to look at me and say, Graham shares the gospel. He's always wanting to pray for people. Because I feel I need to example that in the church. But I want to encourage us. Let's be those that draw people to Jesus because we are so passionate about the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation.